0: Love, 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 love radio. This thing right here yeah, yeah, is yeah, for yeah. my people <laughs> the streets All right, welcome to another episode of One Mic here on RSG platform. Um it's been uh we've had a lot of good things going on. Uh, if you've had a chance to either get to our Facebook page or uh get to our, our website at uh, realsportsguys.com, you see a new interview. Uh, I had an interview with uh, uh, Lamar Soup, who is the director of player uh, engagement for the Chicago Bears. And just uh, Soup talking about his journey from Chester, PA, to the current work he does with the Bears. And just, you know, uh, what his vision is for his work. Um, And also, you know, obviously doing this work uh, in the face of uh, COVID-19, part of his main responsibilities is he's helping the rookies transition to the NFL. But there's much much more with that interview. If you have a chance to check it out, make sure you can do that. Um, it's a, it's a great interview and we have several other interviews, uh, on there as part of the our RSG live, uh, at the lounge series. And we'll have more coming on that platform, uh, as well, as well as, uh, inside the park, uh, which is Hank and hammer, um, great stuff. They just dropped, uh, and uh, a boxing moment that we've been doing with Darnell. Uh, so there's a lot of content up there and hustle and flows. You can't forget, uh, my guys, uh, over there uh, with uh, Sekou and uh, Marcus uh, doing it. And then we've had a couple things with the big show. So there's a lot out there. Um, You can also catch us uh, for our audio on blog or on any podcast platform. We have our audio version of some of our content as well. So I always want to be a reminder of that uh, as well when I'm I'm talking to you folks. But before I get into this, I got to bring my co-hosts in. Uh, It's always good to have them. We got at least three in the booth here. We usually have four. But uh, we'll we'll go with my man, uh, Mr. Hank Davis. How you doing, Hank?
1: I'm doing good, D. Uh how's it going, youngin? Good uh, good to be with you all on another Sunday afternoon to be able to uh chit-chat a little bit. You know, we're trying to stretch our legs out and uh, stretch our arms out a little bit as we try to get back to a little sense of normalcy here around the country. But uh you know, stay stay safe out there. you to still stay safe out there. So things, things 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 are coming back together, but not quite. And uh you know, we've got a lot of tension right now uh in the country uh we're in the world so just stay safe out there if you're protesting stay safe in your protest if you go to the store stay safe at the store you know we 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 ain't through the storm yet we just on the other side of the eye wall so stay
0: safe out there that's always good and that's a good message for yeah. folks out there thank you Hank uh and then we got my man Darnell Kirkland Jr. How you doing young man how's it going today?
2: Yeah it was still it's it... I'm, I'm feeling good. Like, we know the um, NBA is having a plan to come back. You know, um, we're still starting to ease up restrictions with the stay-at-home order. But then again, we're still focused. We haven't we haven't forgot about what happened last week, the week before that. And we're going to keep moving, keep trying to get this um thing going as far as a plan for the community. And we're we're going to stick to it. We're going to stay focused.
0: And that's where I like to spend our time in the open mic. Uh, uh really focus on this because, you know, we want to. Um, we want to be able to talk about a number of things in the world of sports because that's what we do. But uh, we have all uh, have a commitment to uh, social justice uh, that's in our heart. Um, it's kind of why like we've been raised. Um, and so uh, our uh, open mic is, you know, power to the people. You know, we got to keep that. And this is uh, what we're really feeling today. And um, it does feel like there's a movement that this movement's a little bit different than movements we've had in recent years. The energy, uh, the coalition uh, of folks who are part of this movement. Uh, the, the communities who've been involved in this movement. And, and nothing was more evident than that than the reaction that uh, we had uh, that folks had to Drew's Breeze comments uh, uh, earlier uh, uh, in the week or so uh, when he, again, kind of went with that cadence about uh, the flag and the kneeling uh, when he was on a Yahoo uh, podcast and the, the, the reaction he got from his teammates, the reaction he got from the community, the reaction he got from around the country, Um, And uh, what he did to kind of try to backpedal a little bit um, and come back with a uh, with a uh, apology and a commitment um, leading to him, even him responding to the president who felt like he should have kept his position. So when you heard that, I'll start with you, Hank, Uh, just first of all, Breeze's framework in terms of how he came out and then um, his position. And then what happened after that and the responses uh, from NFL players. What, what, what were you thinking when you were seeing this thing kind of un, unfold? Well, you know what? Kudos
1: to Drew Brees for at least being open-minded enough to listen and, and, and to understand how much he dropped the ball and kicked it out of bounds to start this thing with. You know, he, he started with the same narrative that just drives a lot of people of color crazy. Okay? You, 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 you've taken a narrative that has nothing to do with the flag. It has nothing to do with that at all. And, it, and and unfortunately, it took what, what uh, was a, a countrywide and now a worldwide protest for you to fully understand that this had never had anything to do with the flag. And it took the brothers on his own team to say, "You you just don't get it, do you?" And then with his apology, if you paid attention to his apology, his apology never did mention the fact that of his initial stance of, "I'm never going to support." A protest of the American flag. That you know, he never he never really did um, uh, uh, address that in his apology. It wasn't until he wrote the letter to the president that he sounded like he fully understand. You know how much he missed a boat on this. One. That this had nothing to do. That what Carlin Kaepernick had, was talking about had nothing to do with the flag at all. But had everything to do with the what the entire world saw. With um, the George Floyd murder, and the only reason, and, and I want to, I want to state this: that the only reason why this has gotten the outcry that it has, you know, versus what happened to uh, Trayvon Martin, versus what happened to to the Breonna Taylor, versus what happened to Emmett Till, was that this was actually seen and witnessed by white people. And I hate to say that, but this is the fact that black people have been trying to say that that these things happen all the time, that like the Flandro Castillo issue, that it was the cops and what we saw uh, on, on, on video, and then um, what what they were able to spin that narrative. Well, you actually had yeah. white people yeah. and white eyes see this thing with their, with, by themselves. They witnessed this, they witnessed this as well as with black people. Okay, and not just white people, people of all nationalities saw this thing happen on the streets of Minneapolis, what happened to poor uh, uh, George Floyd. Okay, so they were able to see this, and that's where the outrage came. But yet and still, you still have people just like a Drew Brees who don't get it, who's tried to do the right thing in this community, but, 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 however, still missed the boat. And with him coming out and then writing a letter to the president, at least what we're starting to see is some people starting to get it. And what you need is for folks to start to actually get it, but not just get it, but do something about it. Put their name on it. And say, yeah, I was wrong to think this and to move forward with that. I give him credit for that. But he, like a lot of people uh, that are that are that are non-white, um, they, he missed the boat. He flat out missed the boat to start. And now you're starting to see because of the the national outcry, the world, uh, the global outcry, that now they're starting to figure it out. Somebody's gotten to him. I give him credit for that for
0: being able to change the story. A lot of folks is not where he's at. Uh, and, and what's been interesting out of that, so out of that you get the responses, out of that you get the video of some prominent players, all black, with a message to the NFL. Then you get this statement um, and response from uh, Roger Goodell, uh, it's basically admitting, uh, taking a, a 180 on their position on these issues uh, versus the kind of nationalist uh, platform they were running before, um, where you know owners and teaming up with Trump had a different message. Uh, that ended up with, you know, uh, Kaepernick not ever being, again, a stiffer job. But you got this, this, this bout face by the NFL, uh, you know, Darnell, you uh, I, know, I know you've been paying attention to these issues, you know, you, what, what do you make of off the kind of the way in which um, the athletes, the football players have used their platform to message the video, I thought was a brilliant strategy to begin putting it in putting faces with it's pretty prominent players in the league. Mm. Roger Goodell's response in, um, that like surprised me because that was, this is a totally 180 to where he was before when it started to move in that direction. What was your initial response? Or what, how, what do you, how are you viewing that process?
2: Um, I I think it shows a sign of togetherness, um, Mm -hmm. from the, from the faces, the black faces of the league, um, to show that they are paying attention and that they do care about this cause and um, they want change for for police brutality. But um, going back to the Drew Brees thing, he said the exact. I remember him saying the exact same thing in 2016. Like um, this is just this has always been who he is. I mean, um, this is not a surprise to me. This is not a shock to me. And his and his um apology comes off as just reactionary. I don't know necessarily if he is um, sorry for what he did as far as, as much as he is sorry for the backlash he has caused and the damage he possibly has done to the locker room. Cause I think um, in, in a sense he might have lost the locker room with his comments, um, but, and he um, is desperately, you know, trying to backtrack so we could um, rally the troops together. So, um, so as to speak, but um as far as Roger Goodell and them goes, um, I think it's a good. I, I don't want to be hypocritical because I just said the same thing about um, Drew Brees because he made a he made a change, but um, but him um, but him making that one eighty, I think is a good look because but in the but in the vein that the NFL is. In and of itself, they have to be more political than just a player, because they they have to reach out to their fan base as a whole, like as a whole league, and I think they uh, they can make progress with him um, taking that stance.
0: And and I think what's what's interesting. I think you said a couple of interesting things here, both of you. You know the the interesting thing about Drew Brees' comments, he's like, let me make this clear, and then he he goes and he starts talking about the flag and. I think part of where the confusion is, and I know Max Kellerman talked about this, and I thought he framed it brilliantly, is that folks like Drew Brees confuse uh, nationalism with patriotism. That his framework was a national framework, because for his to be true was to, to disregard Malcolm Jenkins' same experience with his grandparents, grandfather, whatever, have a very strong military family, as committed and in in not honoring that experience um particularly when you think about world War ii when you still have segregated barracks and so there there's there's a there's a nationalistic aspect to his rhetoric that he is trying to convey as being patriotic which is which is which is which is which is, is, is is interesting but the other thing about roger goodell and i just kind of as you were saying this darnell kind of hit me because this is also a, like roger goodell in his and i said this before and i was uh talking to Marcus and going back with Marcus and Phil on this in group text is that if you look at the work that Mark Roger Dell's done in his office, Roger's had a commitment. If you look at his leadership team, most of his leadership team is either a person of color in key positions, a woman, uh, a person of color woman, most, and most times it's person of color. Like Roger in terms of who he's hired, done it. The problem is he's not really the boss. So I'm trying to figure out where his statement fits with the owners who have um, been more aligned with the nationalist rhetoric. And so I think that's the next phase for the NFL. I think for Roger being bold and pushing up, because I think that's in his heart. And I think for a while, he just was trying to toe the line. And I think this is the opportunity for him to just say it and he said it. But it's gonna be interesting to see what commitment the the owners really have to this Process because that's where the real work is gonna get done in the NFL. It's with the ownership group um, in terms of their willingness to also uh, be a part of this discussion. You and the reason why I'm saying owners is in, in the NBA, you had someone like James Dolan who got the internal memo and got in hot hot water. Uh Hank, hey, I don't. <laughs> I mean New York Knicks fans are already struggling with him as owner, but now in a city that was it, in the epicenter of some of these protests, right outside his doors, the message he sent was just more examples of people who are in privilege. When you saw the whole James Dolan saga, what was what was going through your mind? I know you just probably said the same on Nick's, but what, what were your thoughts around that? Listen, this 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 is what you you just
1: you just said uh, just just as simple as that. People of privilege just don't get it. Yeah. Okay, the thing is about James Dolan, which, which really looks ignorant to him. First and foremost, he's in New York City, which ended up being the, which was the epicenter of the pandemic. Okay, yes. you don't hear nothing out of him. Okay, then you've got all this situation that's going on with this with this racial tension. First thing he wants to do is distance himself. We ain't talking about that. We not we're not doing any of this. Okay, that just let you know how 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 sheltered he is. Okay, and the, and the sick thing about it is. He should have been, you, you should have heard from him before now, especially with everything that was going on in New York City. And so for the first thing for you to hear from him uh, is, is, is these statements he made about the Black Lives Matter movement. That tells you all you need to know about this cat. That tells you all you need to know about him, that he is, you know, he, he's, a, he's another Trumpist, okay? He's another one of these guys that he don't see it, even though it's right in front of his nose. And, and, and that's what I saw. I wasn't surprised about it, not at all not at all about him but but let me go back to let me go back to uh roger goodell and the nfl okay because what roger goodell saw and what the other owners saw across the nation what they saw across the nation was they saw americans kneeling they saw americans kneeling okay um because in protest in in, in countries i mean in, in every state in the union, they saw Americans kneeling. They even saw cops kneeling with Americans, all right? So guess what's going to happen when the NFL season starts? You're going to have players kneeling in protest. Guess what? They're not going to be able to stop it. What are they going to do? Are they going to suspend all those players? Absolutely not. There's got The NFL has got to be proactive that when they go back to play, that that protest will be allowed on those fields without any sort of repercussions for those owners. So don't think it a minute that Roger Goodell, because his office looks right. Don't think it for a second that, that those owners said, okay, we need to back off of this a little bit because they never mentioned Colin Kaepernick at all. Even though he started this thing, they never mentioned him by name. They just said, you know what? We were wrong in saying that this was the wrong thing to do. If they really are right, Colin Kaepernick should be on somebody's roster. Just as a, just as a, um, as, as, uh, just, um, not, not even just, not even, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, just as a, just, just, that's just because, okay. atonement. (laughs) Huh? As as, like an atonement. (laughs) As an atonement, thank you. Just, just because, you know, we're just going to just put honorary. We're going to put him on somebody's (laughs) roster just simply because we understand that we missed the boat here. Okay. So this is, this is the thing about it, but you still got owners like Dolan, that shows you I don't care about what's going on. long as it don't affect me, we're not talking about this. It's, it should be an outrage, and something should be done about that. And, 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 and the NBA should address that. They should address that, especially with the amount of black players they got in the NBA. But don't think for a second. I don't want to let Roger Goodell off the hook because this is just because now this is national. And so if they come back with that same crap when the league opens back up, people are not going to, they're going to try to boycott the NFL because they're going to see the NFL has missed the boat again. So I don't want, I don't want to miss out on that point.
0: Young. And I think one of the things that's uh, yeah, crazy and I, I know, you know, you're, you know, depending on what happens here, you'll, you'll be coaching, but you know, this movement is also torn through the fabric of sports and a number of coaches from college to high school. I mean, people are speaking up almost like the me too movement that folks are highlighting. Uh, things that have happened in their space in ways that they weren't empowered you see what happened down in uh was it texas state um with uh, a coach down there where players were talking about it. you you you've seen what happened in clemson you see uh with different spots where uh you know these assistant coaches or coaches are elements of just uh uh like, like, too happening you know um and so People being put on notice, you know, and, and so, you know, you as a coach and preparing, <laughs> uh, you know, some young folks hopefully to do this or just, you know, thinking about that, you know, what you hear hearing from your friends, what does this mean? Do you see college sports, high school sports taking different routes now with some of the stuff that coaches were less likely to fit? They always would push under the table or they try to move on because they were uncomfortable. What do you, what do you, how do you respond as a coaching staff to some of this stuff?
2: open line of communication. Like, um, you got to talk to the kids about, um, well, college, you are young adults in the NFL, they're, they're grown men. But um, you got to talk to your players about um, – just educate them about um, what, what it is um, to be black. And, you know what I'm saying? Well, not all coaches are going to be black. But, um, but just, just so they can understand – You know what's going on just address it um first and foremost and you just try to just try to take the just try to head it off but also keep that open line of communication if anybody has anything that they need to talk about anybody has any questions they need to have just um, say okay you can call me you can always email me um or you can see me before practice you know what i'm saying and um, just keep that open line of communication um open and um Another thing you hit on with the college coaches—I saw that with um, Dabo Sweeney. And another thing uh, I saw, but I didn't bring it up. But um, shoot, and um, Antonio Pittman, the old um, running back at Ohio State, he was on Beanie Wells' podcast, and he said when he when he was playing, he didn't he didn't give a name of the coach, but he said uh, he said, um, "I'm going to send you back to Akron to sell drugs." let keep this up, I'm going to send you back to Akron to sell drugs. And there's, oh. there's um, subtle, you know, kind of things like that that happen in other places that um, haven't come to the forefront, you know, people haven't really spoke about. But um, you're kind of seeing, like, this, um, the kind of atmospheric things that might happen at these institutions. Like, we heard of um, some um, racial tension stuff that happens at Iowa. And, um, at Iowa's Iowa football program, and we um, already saw a dabble with, with Clemson. Um, but um, it's a time, especially down south, when you're dealing with the SEC coaches, um, you know, their, their fan base is going to be more of those um, conservative guys, you know, down south. So they're going to have to kind of toe the line between who, um, quite um to put it, frankly, who are they going to support you know what i'm saying they have their um they have their fan base and they have their students that might um make up two different um demographics so.
0: yeah i mean you see what Fromm did and had to back away and
2: right.
0: it's it's tearing you you're tearing band bandaid off a very deep wound that no one really wanted to treat and so um you know i'm, I'm glad that we're hearing from people like popovich who've been talking about this forever Uh, It really came out hard and really put it where it needs to be that, you know, white folks don't have to do some work. And I think what these coaches are going to also begin about is that players and families are going to be holding them accountable. You know, people have gotten generational wealth off of the backs of of, uh, black athletes. Um, And, you know, to hear people like, uh, was it Mikey Williams and folks like that, Young Cats, who are really articulate about what they want to do, talking about maybe the HBCU. I've been saying that for years. You know, if three or four players decide to go to Howard, the the TV going to find you. You know, uh, the the, the league going to find you. Uh, You go to FAMU, it's going to find you. Um, You don't necessarily have to do this in this day and age. Uh, They find you. Uh, And uh, you can create momentum. And so you you have these young cats thinking a little bit differently about uh, where it is. But what it's doing is putting tension in the system and say that you don't have ownership of this process. Um, And I think it's going to be very difficult for some of these folks where it's institutionalized ingrained to be able to do that so we're going to keep this issue as part of what we do power to the people as part of this open uh uh, mike you know we also want to say to all the folks out there um protesting on the front lines uh uh, and everything else to to be safe but uh we got to be diligent and we got to keep the movement and that we need people doing this in all phases whether you're on the front line or you're in the office or you wherever you are the the battle for this is. Not in the marching, but the battle is also in the policy development, as we talked about on our show, uh, Dialogue Between Brothers, uh, uh, in our previous podcast, which I thought was a great one, that at some point we've got to come up with solutions that are usually have to deal with policy and other things uh, to, to move these issues. All right, we're going to get to the cipher, you know, uh, which is up. The NBA is back. And, uh, you know, they're going to have 22 teams, uh, going to travel to Orlando uh and um they're still trying to work out because the teams that didn't make it uh were concerned that they, they got a, a big time gap in terms of trying to be in a play so they're playing around with different sc- scenarios there but let's just start with what they decided to do um darnell i'll go with you first in terms of this plan what you know about the plan what do you like about it what are you what are you concerned about it or Uh, or you may not have any concerns about this plan of of having a uh, 22-team process moving forward. I
2: like it. Um, I I think I like this plan a lot better than going directly into the playoffs because there's a lot of concerns about, like, possible injury risks. So, (laughs) bringing the extra teams gives you extra bodies to play other teams. You're going to have – I think they're going to have six to eight um, warm-up games, so to speak, to um, get back in rhythm. And it also gives teams that might have been on the side of the playoffs, it might give them – it's going to give them an opportunity to make the playoffs. So we, we will get a chance to see if um, Damian Lillard, Zion Williamson, stars like that, Devin Booker can write this ship with their team and possibly make a run at the playoffs. So I think it, it – I think that's a really good idea. I like the way it's shaking out with that. And um, I'm going to hand that off.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I think, you know, they're, they're put in a very difficult position because you're, you're trying to figure out at what point uh, it, it, it's a, a term that they use in uh, economics, diminishing returns. There's a point of diminishing returns where you start to lose value. And, um, you know, there has been a lot of talk that, you know, if they could, were able to get 70 games in for everybody, it helps them to trigger on some of the, the local uh, TV deals and regional deals. And I thought, you know, for the good of the money moving forward for some of these players, you know, that might not be a bad thing to do um, at all. But given all things, I didn't have much of a bunch of problem. Hank, when you you heard this, 22 teams, what were some of your thoughts?
1: Well, the thing that I first thought about was the teams that didn't play. Yeah. And what happens with those players? And, and, and uh, um, what, what happens during the free agency? You know, I, I look more at the business aspect. Okay, now I'm with a team that's not going to even be able to compete. Now, we might be out of it, and we understand the circumstances that we're in. But now, if I'm an agent, do, you know, I'm and then I'm coming up on free agency, or if I'm, I'm at the end of my rookie deal with one of these teams, uh, I'm going to look to both. I'm going to look to say, okay, under the, in, in this circumstance, I can look at this two ways. One, um, uh, you know, maybe I'm being safe. And, but I, I love to play basketball. Okay, I love – this is my passion. This is my career. And I'm not playing because my team absolutely blows. So I don't even get a chance to, to, to show off what I'm doing. So I'm going to try to go to one of these 22 teams. And then what does – does that weaken the league going forward? Does that really weaken the league going forward because now you've got players that don't want to stay? These teams have been just absolutely identified, and the NBA has no way of justifying that. They cannot say, well, no, these are not the weakest teams in our league, and we do want to have parity there. Well, no. So you're going to have to do something as a league to protect the integrity of your league, to try to maintain some level of parity so that these other teams and these fan bases, you know, continue to watch your product. Otherwise, you're going to have a problem there. I understand why they have to do it, but there's always going to be a fallout uh, when you do stuff like that. When you start to eliminate a portion of your league uh, to try to, to, to keep things going. Now, the playoffs will probably be the most competitive thing we've ever seen, and from a fan perspective, great. You know, but from a business perspective, from those players who are not going to be playing, those players who are going to be demanding trades because they're on these other teams and not playing, we're going to have to see how that that, that fallout is going to be massive, and you're going to have these, this, this group of teams. It's almost going to be like college football where you're going to have your power five league and you have your group of five and nobody wants to be there. And then you're going to start having this bailing thing, and I just I, I, that concerns me with the NBA going forward. They're going to have to do something to really try to build that back up going into next season.
0: Yeah, and I think part of what they're framing, like, look, this we got to do what best we can do with what we got right now. And um, obviously, their teams that are not playing, and, and some of the things they're looking at is you know uh, creating space where they can um, you know do some mini camps where they can do some training where they could work out still have those teams have extended opportunities to work out and work with the young players, um, you know, maybe have some type of summer league type framework. Um, how do y'all feel about some of those suggestions? Either one of you. Let me
1: start. Um, Cause I know Daniel probably got a whole different perspective. I think that's what you have to do. You have to do something to keep these teams engaged. I don't, you, you, you might have to, you know, do you give them an extra draft pick? Do you, do you do something? so that these, these teams just don't, don't flat out you know, falter. You got to do something, extra, extra work, um, somewhere where they're compensated for not, and we can always say, well, you know, you, you play a full season, you didn't make the playoffs, then you, what's the difference? The difference is you don't have a chance. Your season has been eliminated while regular season ball is still being played. You see, this is where it becomes kind of sketchy. If you were just going right into the playoffs, that's a different animal. But now that you're going to have teams have an an absolute chance for play-in and some teams who don't because they don't even get a chance to play, you got to compensate those teams. Otherwise, you're going to weaken the league. And I understand the circumstance, but it will weaken the league if we don't do something like that.
0: Yeah. Dardo, you have a response to that?
2: Yeah, well, that was kind of where I was going as far as um, I think they should have a summer league style thing. In a different site. maybe they go to Vegas or something like that. Yeah, Vegas. Where um, yep. they have their own summer league, and um, the winner that either can get the first the first draft pick for next year, or they get more ping ping pong balls. Come time for the NBA lottery, so I think it should work kind of like that.
0: I Where, I like, love it, that it, one. It, yeah, more ping pong balls for the NBA lottery. Yeah, you get a bonus uh, with that. You you know, and maybe that, that get some of these veteran players on the court right. the workouts. Um, and let
1: me, if I could, let me, I just, let, me just, let me just let me just let me just piggyback off of what Darnell said. I think that also that no teams that's playing should have the first five picks. Hmm. Period. That the first five, I maybe mean, the first six picks, have to come from these teams that didn't get a chance to play. I think that you got this, You got to stipulate somewhere that if you're going to do the lottery, that those teams that the rich don't get richer. That somehow that these teams that aren't playing, they've got to be guaranteed. You know, a top five, top six pick outside of the teams that are playing. You following me?
0: Yeah, but I think the problem you got that is some of those picks are built on on deals that were done two, three years ago that you have to honor. So that yeah. have a lot to do with where people place um, in terms of those being for them um, them having opportunity to get the picks. And so, I think you have to honor some of these past deals because players got exchanged or deals got got done. However, I think I liked a lot. I like the additional ball um, at least in there because um, it, it gives them incentive to whatever the summer league or, or, or schedule you, constellation tournament you have uh, with them. It, it, it gives them a little bit more incentive in the summer. So you can create a competitive atmosphere, which I think a lot of these teams want because they want their young players to get some advantage, right? They want their young players to get an opportunity. Um so I like that idea, but you, you, I think you, you, you'd you, have to, because of the collective bargaining agreement and all the rules and policies, honor any previous trades uh, that might end up allowing, you know, someone like the Lakers, if they had to deal with somebody to get a tick t- pick in the, in the, if they, if they finish you know, in the top five, you got to honor that deal because. Well,
1: that- you got the, you got, you don't, don't you have a, a COVID-19, uh, uh, the sti- stipulation. I mean, you got you, you you got a 22 team league, so you're not even talking about normal times here. So you would. I, I'm looking at it as you got to have these sort of stipulations go across the board for this year. Otherwise, give me a chance to play out the season. If not, if we're not, then you got to have that same stipulation for those teams who don't play. And I understand those. those, those, those and in normal times, those deals would be honored. But these are not normal times.
0: And I would my my response probably to that would be that that the, the equity part is we need to have an opportunity to continue to develop our players. That's separate from how we do our draft business, in my mind, is that, that they're, they're de- like it wouldn't be fair to say these 22 teams are playing and then you're telling me I, you're going to limit how often I can get my players together to do development, or I can't – Cleveland and Detroit, who have been talking, can't create almost like football, you know, like football does in their camps, where they create these opportunities for scrimmage, inner squads and working out together uh, kinds of opportunities uh, where we can get better, but we got to be out luck. To me, that's the inequity of it is the opportunity to continue to develop your players and teams uh, to, to get better for the next year. That would be the one. I would separate that from the draft situation, which I think is something that's static and different that can stay its, it's same. You know, it, it might depend on when you have the draft. Um, because that's the interesting thing. What I would say, this is actually I would say is I would set it up that, nah, I don't think you can do that, but you might be able to do that. You could, that that the summer league at this point would only include those teams that were not. So if I drafted somebody, normally they would come and be able to play with that. Um, maybe the advantage is they get to have their rookies play as part of this, and the other teams that are playing are active. Rookies got to wait until – training camp like there could be some stuff like that that gives a little bit more equity around that so if the nba had to draft you know say june 4th or uh, i mean uh july 4th or july 7th then you could play in the, the summer league in vegas with that team as part of that scrimmage whatever you have it um but because the lakers are playing those players got to wait until this other period right and so you at least get a lead run with your rookies and getting them on the floor and getting the advantage that might be something you could flow in the, in the teams who are, who are playing right now can't really com- complain because they get the advantage of being able to play for a title or being able to play in these competitive spaces. But I, I, I see where you're going with it. We just, NBA has got a mess, but they, I think they work as <laughs> they work as best they can to kind of figure it out. I was going to ask a question about the teams that was, that were selected, but it's interesting as you were talking, Hank, um, what about the teams who are sitting out? Who do you think going to use this time the best? Because I, I think some of these teams, if they do it right, could actually advance themselves. I, my, my vote is I think Golden State is going to take a leap. I mean, Steve Curris was already treating the season as an extended training camp, if you watch them. Like, he was developing these young – he was evaluating talent. I mean, I've never seen anybody do it as well as Steve was doing it this season. He was – and then finding ways to integrate some of the veterans. He's going to have Curry back in, but really focusing on developing these young people. I think Steve is going. I think the, I think Golden State's going to kill it uh, in the summer. But who else do you think is going to take advantage of this time? Who's not necessarily playing um, in the twenty-two? Garnell, you think you got somebody? I was going to say Golden State, but to be yeah, honest, but if I was going
2: to say another team, I'll go with uh, Atlanta because yeah. uh, atlanta they have a um, they have a very good young core of, of talent and um some of some of which like i don't think clint capella has played much with them so yeah. getting that extra chemistry getting those guys in the lab with them working together um it could benefit them um from getting extra time together but um as far as the draft process if they if they could win this um so-called tournament that i that i um proposed and they can get a higher pick they could get the hometown kid ask e. edwards and we can see how that goes but
0: yeah yeah so i know we probably t- we probably took both of yours hang but
1: we took both of mine you know and I, and I will and i will not say the detroit Pistons. i'm not saying that at all i'm not doing that okay i, I don't know what they're going to do but whatever it is is going to be wrong but i want to go back to uh golden state because you're talking about the rich getting richer yeah okay this is a team that you know uh, coming off a year where they just they, where they lost the championship they had all these injuries okay you still got a championship pedigree over there and now they got an opportunity to develop young players as you stated and oh by the way they could get the number one overall pick yeah okay so you're talking about the? this is a team right now you're just talking about it couldn't have happened any better for them you didn't really want uh, Steph Curry and those guys. You know they were, they weren't going to play. They weren't going to play up of any minutes of significance anyway, right? So they get a chance to really just take the rest of the season off and develop that team back into championship pedigree, with a couple of good moves in the offseason. That one is the one where it almost seems like it benefits them all across the board. You know, because um, Clay wasn't coming back, Steph wasn't coming back. You were just, and all you was doing was putting minutes. On, on, on people like Draymond, okay, that they, they don't need it. They can, they can rest out now and be ready to take another run, another shot next year, or move on. But this, for them, of all the teams that there's benefits, it benefits them the most. I can't even, like I, you can't think about anybody else. But that's the only team that was they went deep into the playoffs last year that now can benefit from this. If you can benefit from this, the Golden State Warriors
0: will. What's interesting about that is that it almost feels like uh, that transition year that San Antonio had that got allowed lot to get Duncan, you know, um, and, and then just kind of keep it moving uh, a little bit. They just did not lose a beat. They just were able to really position themselves and then set themselves up for another 10, 15 years. And I, I, you're right. I think the, uh, the Warriors are really using this well. Um, it's extended. And I think what's, what's crazy about this is that the transition between the end of this season and the beginning of next season um is gonna create a disadvantage for the team that doesn't win the championship <laughs> because you're gonna give a lot of energy to this and then you have a short turnaround. Whereas these teams sitting out a team like Golden State that could really orchestrate work this the right way could be coming into the next season with a lot of momentum. Right um, and really push this where you have these teams who have battled and whoever did win expended a lot of energy. You know so you know, whether it's the Clippers, whether it's you know uh, the Lakers or someone else—they um, had to expend a lot of energy. They had to deal with a lot of turmoil to get to a championship. But then to be able to pivot and turn around and get ready for another season, somebody can allow themselves like Golden State to be get momentum to catapult right up in there. And um, let me also
1: let me add this too: is, is the fact that you're not playing like right right now. Those players will be—you you can argue that their legs are fresher. You can argue that you know not having all those minutes is gonna help for maybe a, a better quality of basketball. But also now you're talking about trying to do some sort of training cap when you would have been playing. Okay, we're in the June right now. So these these they gotta get themselves back into basketball shape when they would probably be doing this in, in, in uh um September, October, get into November. So that's a that's a change. And if you, athletes know they're used to routine. So right. this is this this is a break from their routine. What you wanna watch too is um What's what, these injuries? This, this this is where you know the early part of the year when you start seeing the it's hammies and that kind yeah. of trying to get in basketball shape, these guys won't start getting the basketball, they might start playing into the playoffs. So, those are things we're going to have to watch. And you talk about the, the quick turnaround, the, the the teams that got to play, watch watch them, watch them very carefully, watch the quality of basketball coming back. Number one, watch
0: injuries, number two. It's going to be really interesting to see now. And with the teams who are selected, you know, who. Who do you think is in the best position to really take advantage of this new model? Is it, is it still the Lakers and the Clippers or do you see a dark horse, someone like Denver, uh, someone like Boston, you know, some a team like Portland who might get some healthy bodies back um, over the course of this time and, and catapult them. If they would have them healthy bodies, Portland wouldn't have been straggling for the playoffs. They probably would have been a top four team with the healthy bodies um that they had to uh, uh uh deal with the injuries who do y'all see you know i'll start with you darnell who do you see you know benefiting from you know this new format
2: well i think the the Russ is gonna is they're gonna really hurt the the coach heavy teams like the teams that really come through with a system like um like the jazz maybe you know um teams like uh, indiana teams like um you know the teams that are they run systems a lot, like um, Toronto. But I think the teams that are going to excel are, are those like AAU teams. You know, what I'm saying like um, you got um, J- James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Uh, I think they're going to play. Um, they're going to excel in this. I think Boston's going to excel with Kemba and Jason Tatum. They're guys that can really like um, um, if if things fall apart, they can say, "Okay, just give me the ball and i ISO." And I think um, teams like that and can't leave out the Clippers because the Clippers, um, um, they have two of the best ISO scores in the league with Kawhi and Paul George. And on top of that, they have defenders that necessarily the chemistry doesn't necessarily matter as much because they all can just lock, lock down. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. I like, I like your point in terms of, you know, those system teams versus as you framed it, the AAU teams and, uh, and the fact that you're not traveling on a plane and having to get in and out—that you're basically, you're even if you had a back-to-back or a day, and you're you're going to say you just going back to your room. It's, it's you know, for a lot of these folks, it is like AAU where you played all these weekends, you know, all these games over a weekend, and you know you're basically you know staying in a room or on a campus, um, uh, balling, but you don't have to get on a plane. You got to pack and unpack, and you don't you know you're not have to go home and take care of stuff. But everything is, uh, and and I think that also helps. Um, some teams that might be a little older. I think the Lakers benefited in that because uh, they don't, they're, they're not going to be worn on the legs. You, you're not worried about getting on planes and getting all this stuff. You know, you can get everything set up. You can get the massage, you get everything set up. You go back and get your routine because, you know, you're basically just going down the street to go play uh, every other day. Um, so I think this the design is going to an interesting. I see Hank over there. Uh, 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 Shutting his head a little bit. What you talk about, man?
1: Man, because why Why am I even on the show? Y'all going to take everything I'm going to say. I might just sit back and listen. I mean, I mean, I mean, mean, Darnell, you said, what team do you think will benefit? He named eight. Okay, then that only leaves me with, with two, and then you say them. So, I'm like, I'm just, just, you know, what else can what, I say?
0: What's listen, I like the ones you thought?
1: Well, listen, the Lakers was the one that, that popped into my mind, just for what you said. You got Anthony Davis who can't stay on the floor for a full season. You got an aging LeBron James. So now you got guys that have been able to rest up. You Everything you just mentioned, uh, Devon, they don't have to travel. Okay, they go back to the hotel. Um, they have Their legs are fresh. They don't have all these minutes. They ain't got all these nagging injuries. Okay, they can just go ahead and ball out, especially like Anthony Davis who just for some reason cannot stay on the floor. For the last couple of seasons, this benefits him greatly, and LeBron too. This benefits him greatly. They can make one push. Now you talk about these other teams, obviously that's got that one-two punch. We haven't mentioned the uh, Milwaukee, a player like Giannis, who's had a chance to not fresh legs, and, and, and now can get back up and down the floor. Teams like Boston, you know, those teams like that, it's going to benefit them. They've, they've got the talent, the talented teams, like I said, not there's not system that can just go ahead and ball out and ain't got to worry about all that, just go out there and ball it. and let the talent take over, those are the teams you're going to watch. It's going to, be a, it's going to be a bloodbath between L.A. and L.A. This is what we wanted to see. But, see, we don't, we, the factors of injury and all that stuff, these guys have had time to heal up, and they're just going to be able to ball out. And early on, that's what you're going to see. Now, what I will say is the longer this goes, watch the system teams start to figure it out. Okay, before the season runs out, the system teams are going to start to figure it out, and we're going to see that dynamic change a little bit. So, like those, the, the Denver's of the world, the Utah's of the world, those teams could start making some noise. The Portland's, they start making some noise, you know, once we start getting close to the playoff time, because now they'll, they'll be on you know, the acclimated a little bit, but they're not going to look good early. So, that's what we need to watch out for.
0: And I left you in Milwaukee. I thought I left you in Milwaukee. I, I said Milwaukee. Thank God. I know. That's Thank why I wanted want to so leave you there because you said we took everything. I, I purposely did not talk about Milwaukee. And the final point I would say that y'all point out, we're dealing with a pandemic. And so I'm also saying teams that have depth. Because if someone is, is uh right. being affected Good by point. who can adjust most by that, and that's when you get a team that's like, you know, the Clippers got a, team, a deep team. You know, you start thinking about who can step up. You know, that's where teams like Boston become important because – they're used to having different people step up um, as well. Um, you, you think about those teams in terms of where they have some depth. that if they were to lose somebody, they could still be competitive um, over a period of time until that person came back, particularly one of their starters. Um, has to also be factored into this equation as well. Uh, so this is going to be interesting, y'all. We're going to keep uh, checking this stuff out. Uh, we're going to keep uh, t- paying attention to it. Uh, we, we do know the NBA is back. I know they're still tweaking some things. It's been approved by the player association, but I think, uh, I know they're still, uh, I haven't looked at the ticker, trying to deal with um, the teams that don't make it, but I think you're gonna come up with a system for them as well. I think it will be interesting uh, as well. So uh, we'll be waiting for baseball to make their announcement here at some point. Some of these other folks who are, uh, you know, trying to figure it all out. We'll get to that on our our next podcast uh, for sure about baseball and some of these other sports. But uh, we know we got to, we got to close this thing down with the only way we know how to do is by having my man, Hank, drop the mic all right thank you guys listen uh, another another week has passed another
1: week has passed we've got protests all over the world we still have a pandemic out there we have uh states opening up here in the state of michigan restaurants and bars are going to be able to open up as business as usual with not as many customers uh salons and barbershops will be able to open up in a couple of weeks so it's gonna be a sense of normalcy, but I wanna just remind everybody out there that this, is, ain't, this nothing is normal. We don't have normalcy right now. Okay, we have a lot of tension going on out there and folks are protesting all over the world. We still have a pandemic, folks are still out of work. I'm not saying anything to just dis- dis- discourage anyone, but I do want you all to still be safe, still use your right mind, still use common sense. You know, it's going to be good to see somebody that you ain't seen in three or four months. Still give them the old fist bump. Still use your mask when you have to. Okay? When you're out here protesting, have common sense. Have common decency. Try to understand what's going on out there. Ask the, As I said last week, ask yourself why. Okay? And then look to find an answer and open up your mind, open up your head, so that you, we can find an answer, that we can all work together and be together so that on one day we can be at the stadium and we can still cheer, and the colors that we are, that we are uh, against are colors on the jersey and not the colors of the skin. So I, wanna, I just wanna say out there, be safe, be smart, and I would be remiss if I didn't leave by while saying, rest in peace, Big West, West on sale. Washington Buildings. Yeah. This piece
0: of
2: thing right here yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. is for my people <laughs> in the streets. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Today, I'm going to show this one mic. Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff.